When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day and welcome to the Celtic Down Under Thursday Sesh. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Stephen and Willie. How are you Stephen? Yeah, good mate. Um, bit subdued after the, the Matildas game last night. Um, I went down to the stadium. Uh, it was a good game, good atmosphere. Unfortunately, I didn't get the result. So I think uh, in line with most of the country today, on a bit of a downer, but Proud of the achievements of the team and, and, and getting that far in the World Cup. And um, hopefully they can take out the third place game uh, this coming Saturday up in Brisbane. Yeah, absolutely. About 42% of the country, they said, were watching the game last night on TV. So, yeah, everyone got everyone had there's a new pandemic in Australia, Tilly's fever. And um, unfortunately, the, the dirty palms uh, messed us up. So uh, how are you, Willie? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Busy all week at work, right? So just ready to hear to sit down and chat Celtic for an hour. Looking forward to it. Uh, happy days. So just if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast via your podcast app. If you're on YouTube watching it, jump onto the YouTube channel where you're watching it now, obviously. Hit subscribe, hit the notification bell so when you go live, you get notification. And, yeah, we'll... Uh, Keep putting the shows out, two live shows a week, plus any a couple extra shows here and there. So um, we're going to jump straight into the current transfer news and, and rumours that are floating around. So we'll start with all of that. So, Stephen, I'll throw to you first. We've got Ismail Yassoro has been linked with a move to Valenciennes in France in League 2 for £150,000. For me, looking at that, we paid £2 million for him, so it's a massive loss, but it helps clear up the wage bill and our bloated squad. What's your thoughts on that transfer? Yeah, look, I think I would have let him go for nothing if, if it was a case of getting him off the wage bill. Um, we just have to clear a space in the squad, and there was like zero chance of him contributing. Uh, and there has been zero chance of him contributing for probably about two or three years now. Um, so good to see him off the wage bill. And I think guys like Soro um, sort of highlight the pitfalls of shopping in that two to three million pound market, uh, which we have done with with, with some success, uh, but with a few a few failures as well. And when, when you make when you get it wrong, you're stuck with a guy who's on good wages and who you can't shift. Uh, and that's gone a long way to to our squad being as bloated as it is just now. Um, there's too many of these guys hanging around and you know, you'd almost forgot Sorrow was there because um, he'd been out on loan for a couple of years. And I think it's a good bit of business even getting any money for him because um, I'd happily I just freed him. 
Yeah, the rumours are that it's 150000 and we get, I think it's 5 or 10% sell-on potentially, so we might make up some of that money. But at the end of the day, as you said, Stephen, he's like a non-contributor. You move him on, you free up a spot there because he wasn't going to play, so makes makes sense. But we did a, we did a look dive into it, oh, wow, when would it have been? Probably about 18 months ago or so. Actually, maybe a bit longer than before that, before Angie even got to the club. And we're looking at all those two million to three million pound signings, and particularly at the striker position. And in a ten year period, we spent about I think it was we spent about twenty six million on those players, and we only made money on I think it was Hooper was pretty much the only one we actually made got a return on. So it's just a massive churn and burn there, waste of money. But then. Michael McDonald in the comments here was Celtic have two who cost five million each. Yeah, so then we're talking about a Yeti there where we, put, you know, we put the boat out, spent five million, and what happens? Nothing. So it's a bit of an interesting one for us. But Willie, what's your thoughts on the uh, sorry situation? Yeah, there's not much to say other than um, good luck in the future endeavours, mate. Thanks for all you've done for us, and um, yeah, as you say, good luck. Um, there was a little while there during the COVID season. We all thought he was going to be the answer. He was going to be the new Scott Brown, but he quickly got found out as just being a guy who turns up, puts in some pretty late tackles with a big smile on his face and gets booked. And that's about the only thing you'll ever remember him for. So, yeah, it's it's a loss we're making, a big loss. And if we get a 10 pause, it's another, what, 15 grand when he does go move on to another club. So, yep, good luck, Ismail. All the very best. It's funny, though, because, like, we look at it and you go, we were always talking, oh, we need to get Bruni's replacement in. So we signed near Bitton, and he did well for the club. He was there for ages to give some coverage. But then Abui Kawasi, Sorrow, I even put um, McCarthy into that spot as well because Bruni had left and we brought in a veteran player there who's done nothing. So the churn that we're talking about at the striker position, we've also done it at the, at the central defensive midfield position. And then you look at Abelgard, who we had on loan last season as well. So I think it's a spot where with Brendan coming in, he's got his own ideas on how we're going to play with that. Looks like we're having one six and two eights at the moment instead of two sixes. So that's his workaround. But, yeah, we go from there. Our next bit of news is left back from Nantes. It's... Everyone was saying Quinton Merlin. I actually have a mate who's French and his name's spelled like that. And in the French, it's Quentin. That's actually how it's said, Quinton, like that. So it's a weird one. So it's Quentin Merlin. Uh, the talk is Nantes want between 7 to 10 million pounds for him. Or I think it was like, you know, 12, 10 to 12 million or something like that. Or 9 to 10 million euros or whatever it works out at. But European left back, for me, what I've seen of him, that's the guy. We need a left back who's going to give us what Alistair Johnson gives us at right back for Europe. If you bring him in with Greg Taylor as his backup, I'll be happy with that. What's your thoughts on that, Willie? Yeah, it's a move that certainly makes sense for me. Um, Very talented. He can operate and comfortable. Anywhere on the left, whether it's left wing, left midfield, or left back, he started out as a striker or a left forward. So, and at only twenty years of age, he's plenty of potential. Um, I had a wee watch of some of his highlight reels on uh, YouTube, and then I 
read, did a little reading on him, and he seems to have um, he's a great passer, and he contributes a lot in the construction phase of the game when he's passing forward. There's only three players in League One who have higher progressive passing stats than him. He he recognises passes that average players don't see, which is something we all accept that Kyogo would benefit from. Um, a good ability to shut out spaces in front and potential to defend in higher up. So he seems to be a sort of player that will sort of push up and defend high, which is another thing we like to do. So um, yeah, it's a move that I think would make sense. And it's sort of, if it's seven to ten million, it's sort of, it is within our price range. And at twenty years of age, he he fits up their trading model. If it is a success, we can move him on for more money. So yeah, something I'm looking. I I wouldn't be adverse to this move. I have to agree with you there, Willie. I was going to say at his age is also have a sell-on on top of it that you'd look at here for sell-on value in a few years. Andrew Galea, apparently Merlin can play all over the park. For me, he looks a bit of a wizard. I had to had to do a dad joke before I throw to you, Stephen. So what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited um, that we're actually shopping in that sort of market, uh, that sort of price range, because um, we haven't so far in the window. Um, and it, it shows that the... The club have recognised that you know we need to sort of step up the level of talent and what that we're trying to attract to the club, and that comes at a premium, at premium cost. So this guy fits the bill. Um, he's a youth international for France. He hasn't made his, you know, hasn't made it into the, the first team yet, but there's potential there. Um, so he can grow. There's plenty of growth left in him yet, um, and, and I, I'm, I'm quite excited about it. Um, the only downside I can see is he's only five foot eight, um, so physicality. Might be a bit of an issue. I know Greg Taylor at the moment and Burnaby are both pretty short um, and do get targeted at the back post quite a lot. Um, so that might happen with him, but it's not it's not the end of the world um, if he's good. You know, if he's good bombing forward and can defend a winger um, a little bit better than both both uh, Burnaby and Taylor, then I think he'll be a good addition. And um, yeah, it's good. It's a good sign for me that we're we're recognising where we need to be. Um, and the level of talent we need to attract. I was talking to a friend of mine who the French guy I just mentioned early on who loves um, loves watching his um, league and football and everything. And what he was telling me is, yes, he's small. Like you're saying, he's five foot, five foot eight, five foot nine, whatever he is. Teams were targeting him over the top. But the prob- the thing that's different to him and then having gone back and watched more clips and stuff like that, is when teams do target him, he doesn't get knocked off the ball that easy. Where you look at Taylor in Europe, the bigger guys would bump him out of position. Like, I know it's a bit of a, a silly comparison because it's I'm not saying he's the same player, but Roberto Carlos was a small right back back in the day. The teams would target him, but he had a, he had wide hips and was able to hold his position. That's something that that um, Merlin does pretty well. He does hold his position if the ball comes in over the top. So if he's got that, and then he's also got the the skills, as Willie's saying, pushing forward and his passes and that sort of stuff, seems like a no-brainer to me for Rogers to go shopping in France again. The last few times he did, we turned out, turned out all right. So I'd be happy with that. Uh, we got a comment from Andrew Galea. Merlin preferable to Prudence and the elderly winger from Newcastle. We're getting into that, mate. So we'll come we'll come to that one. RL seventy seven in Rogers system. Taylor leaves us wide open as a wizard sleeve. There we go, another Merlin joke. I'm just waiting for the one to the wand of a left foot. Like you know, what I mean, that's the next. That'll be the the left the wizard bingo gone. But I think um, to go back to him, um, you could say like Rogers will sit 
a player like him, Rogers will sit him down and say, like, what attributes have you got? Okay, your attacking is a strength. What about your defence? Oh, we can see that you need a little bit of work in your defence. And that's the sort of thing Rogers excels at with players of that age, is, is getting them, finding their weaknesses and making them work on it to, to progress them. So it, it, it really is a move that fits all sort of, fits the bill. Definitely. He also, Rogers also does make them play to their strengths and mask their weaknesses, Willie. So while they're working on their weaknesses in the background, they're playing in a, they're playing smarter, playing to their strengths, where under Ange, as much as I love the guy and like love his teams, the way they play and all that sort of stuff, you could get away with a lot more in Ange just because it was controlled chaos. Where in a Rogers system where you've got to, if you can't get the quick score, hold it, pass, 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 reverse it, and just probing and doing all this sort of stuff, that's where you need a guy to go, okay, what are your strengths? What can, In this situation, would you go to the byline? Would you cut in? Would you pass it back to your centre back? Would you look for Kelmack in the centre? And just look for the best options that they would play at. Now, as a left back, that, you know, if he makes a mistake, defenders in particular and goalkeepers, they make a mistake, the microscope is on them. So, yeah, it's um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I'm going to bring up Strange Love the Doctor's comment here and then we'll crack on to the next topic. So, Strange Love is saying, having a five foot nine fullback may seem like an obvious invitation to attack. However, it also has the potential to use that as a poison pawn and set traps. 100%. Also, on top of that, if we go to a back three in Europe, which could be a possibility... Well, you kind of mask some of that as well because it's going to be more a wing back instead of it being a fullback. So you can get around it in that regard as well. So plenty of plenty of options and ways we he can coach around it. But yeah, I'd be happy with how it all plays out. If he comes in, I'll be absolutely wrapped. That's the sort of player and the t- level we need. First team starter quality. Which player? Which player? Do you think would be most at threat? Would it be Burnaby or Taylor, who would probably be the one to exit to make room for him? That ties into the next one, Willie. So thanks for the uh, the nice segue there. Because the next topic and the next player we're linked with is Daniel Podence from Wolves, who's a left winger. Apparently they're asking for £12 million for him, but we should be able to get him for less as he's in the last year of his deal. The talk out of the Wolves camp and stuff on some of their social media is they're after 8 to £9 million for him is what they'd actually settle for. 27-year-old winger, Portuguese international, Seems like a good player on paper. He's much better than bringing in, what's his name, Fraser from Newcastle. I'd much rather Potence than Fraser. But what you're saying, Willie, and this is where I've used that segue, is you're saying about Bay or Taylor, who hunted. I'd be keeping Taylor as his backup. So playing back, Taylor as his backup. And then I would want to see, give Bernabe six months as developing to see how he plays and develops as a left winger. I actually think in Rogers' system, Bernabe as a left winger makes more sense to me than playing him as a left back. But what's your thoughts on the on the Podence thing, Stephen? Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of um it's a strange one given his age um and, and the money they're looking for it kind of is out of step with what we've been doing recently. But I, I'm not necessarily against it. Um, obviously, he hasn't you know he hasn't played much for Wolves recently. Um, he's kind of been bombed out of the picture, but he does have a 
he does have an impressive resume if you go a little bit further back in his career. Um, he's come out of Sporting Lisbon's academy. He's got his move to Olympiacos. Um, he's played in the Champions League and scored in the Champions League. So he's, now he's played in the Premier League and, and scored there as well. So he's a very experienced player. Um, and again, I think it's it's a decent sign that we're, that we're shopping at that level, um, even though it, it would be there would be very little resale value at the end of his contract. And I think you know there's always room in your squad for a player like that. Uh, and, he, and he gives off, for me, he gives off massive Scott Sinclair vibes. Um, a guy whose career is probably on the slide a little bit. Uh, and Brendan's brought him in because he knows him and he knows what he's capable of and he reckons he can get the best out of him. Um, and, he, and he went on to be a great contributor for Celtic and for, for Brendan Rodgers' teams. So I can see that happening here. I'm not 100% sure whether there's anything in it or not. Some of the Wolves' socials that were bouncing around were you know, a little bit sketchy. Uh, in terms of their authenticity. So I'll wait and see uh, before I get too excited about that one. Uh, but yeah, he's a good player. Um, and it would definitely be a, be a be an addition, good addition to the squad. Before we go to you, Willie, I'm going to bring up some comments here. So Mickey Moynihan was apparently potent is 5'5", so we're just talking about shortness. So if you have him at 5'8", five, 5'9", five, Left back behind him, you're a little bit tiny out on that wing. Andrew Galea saying he's too expensive. JJ is saying definitely get Potence for six to eight million. It's not even a year left, more like 10 months. Michael Ross is saying Potence or Fraser, it's Potence every time. Andrew Galea mentions we're still at Tilio to come in already in the door. That's part of why I'm thinking keep Bernabe and push him up there. And then you can have Tilio and Bernabe go head to head for that backup position on the left wing. Robert Gibson, are we not auditioning for the seven dwarves? We need height and aggression. That's what Rogers said he wanted. So just going to scroll, scrolling through here. What else have we got? There we go. Michael McDonald, it's been reported this morning and not by the Scottish press, eight and a half million and we have five wingers plus Vada. So I don't know why we need him. And then we've also just brought Yang in as well. So we've got plenty of options. Love it saying Tilio looks very similar to Potence. So I I don't think there's too much in it personally, especially what Stephen was saying. Some of the the forums and that saying that would just look one of them was Wolves News ITK as their thing and they've got forty five followers. That was one of the main ones being shared around. I'm like, that looks a little sketchy to me. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't think there's much in it, but we'll just see how it plays out. But Willie, what's your thoughts if it is true? Well, if it's true, it's another sort of move that would make sense. We lost Jota, who could play anywhere across that um, wide right, wide left. So, Potence is another guy. He he he's predominantly left sided, but he can play on the right if need be. He can play as an out and out winger or an inside forward. So, I mean, five foot four. He's not the tallest in the world, but you, you're still an inch taller than um, the boy at Newcastle. I've forgotten his name already, but. Like I say, he can operate anywhere in the front line. In 21-22, he had the, he's one of the highest rated players in the EPL for expected assists, key passes and smart passes. Um, he's prepared to drop deep to pick up the ball between the lines and he, he's one of these sort of players who will run at defenders with his head held, head up, looking for other players to come in and get the pass on. So, um, Yeah, that ability to carry the ball forward 
is something that you, you can always have in your squad. So, I mean, if it happens, you'd be happy. But if it doesn't happen, you just go, ah, oh, well, there, there's another one the papers have made up that was never, ever going to be like. So, for me, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. It could be the replacement for Jota, as I've said. But it, as you said, at this time of the season, it is probably just paper talk. Probably just his agent, you know, for putting his name linked to us like they always do in the papers. But we got some comments here that'll bring in as well. So, Pat Warren, most of the world's best players aren't giants, skillful, skillful over hammer throwers. We look across at Ibrox, exactly. Alan Woods, I want one of the hobbits taking the corners and free kicks so six for two, Matt O'Reilly can be in the box. Love it is I'm more interested in getting Merlin. Me too. If you have a preference over only getting one of the two in, give me Merlin every day of the week. So, yeah, it's, um, I'd rather we, we put the cash out there if that's the case. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, crack on. So I've got a question for you. Is, with those possible signings, as I just touched on, so I'd rather Merlin is the priority over potence for me anyway. If we were to bring in both of them, all that's left on most fans' shopping list at the moment is add a goalkeeper to the squad, and I think we're pretty much right. Would you agree with that, Stephen? Um, I think I would also like to see a sign in a striker. Um, I think we're a bit late. A little bit late up front still, yeah, especially with Kyogo carrying a, a shoulder issue, although it's not something that's keeping him out of games at the moment. But you, you know Kyogo will uh, miss a game or two with injury during the season. That's just the nature of the amount of games we play. Um, and I'm not convinced that O is up to stepping in um, at the level required for a Champions League game or a, or a game against Rangers. Um, I think... We need to bring in another striker for, for cover. Um, we had this time last year, we had Jackie Marcus, who was able to step right in there and, and, and score goals. And you knew you could rely on it. He scored goals despite some of his deficiencies. And I think we're lacking that type of striker now. So I believe if, if we sign those two guys um, and a goalkeeper, add a striker to that, and I'd probably be happy. Um, if I was being greedy, I might, might be looking for maybe a maybe a, a, a central midfielder number 10 sort of position, but um, I, I don't really, given the amount of midfielders we've got in there vying for, for the positions at the moment, I don't see that happening. Um, so if we if we finish the window off with a striker, even if it was like a short-term loan or something like that, um, I'd be reasonably happy. Uh, and I think we can call that a successful window if we get all them in. It's like I set you up perfect there for that because like, for me, that was as well. Like I've seen that with the rumours we've been linked with someone. Realistically, it's going to be hard to bring someone in to be a backup to Kyogo, and also Maeda playing more as a striker as well. And you got O there. You're going to be bringing someone in to be that second, third string striker, especially. But then when the Japan or the Asian Cup starts in was it January, February, we're going to be down Kyogo, Maeda, maybe O as well. So we could be down three strikers. So. Realistically, bringing someone else in is an important one. And I've got a question for you off the back of that then, Stephen. Would you look at Duck from Aberdeen? Yeah, I, I definitely would. Uh, I think he looks a good player. He's he's a he's big, strong, big, strong boy, physical, and he knows the way to go. Um, he can beat a man, and he, and he causes a lot of problems on the weekend there. 
Um, so definitely the, the only downside to that was, you know, other Scottish teams, it's really difficult to deal with them transfer-wise. You know, they know they can hold out for almost as much money as they want and you wouldn't be getting him on the cheap. Um, but I think, you know, I don't think we need to sign a backup striker. I think we need to sign someone who's going to push Kyogo the way Jack and Marcus did. Because this time last year, it was, you know, it was six and two threes about who was going to get the get the starting position between the two of them. And there was plenty of attributes that both of them had that would have seen, seen them pick before the other one. Um, as it happened, Kyogo, you know, kicked on uh, and was out and out number one striker by the time Jack, Jack and Marcus left. But I think we need something like that again. We need someone who can come in um, for, for games and, and we won't see a drop-off uh, when Kyogo's out not in the team. Um, and that's what we're lacking. So, and I think Duke would, would bring that. I think he would he would be, he, obviously he's not at the level Kyogo's at yet, but I think he would be able to slot right in there. And certainly in a domestic sense, he would be, there would be very little drop-off from Kyogo. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be against it, but I think it pro- probably be a price range at the moment. The reason I brought him up is because they want scales. You can work him in as leverage, so it's cash plus scales, and then go from there. Or I'd even go to him, okay, let's say it was Aberdeen. I'd be like, we'll take Duck off your hands for this much. We'll give you scales in it because you want him permanently. And how about we give you a Yeti on loan? There you go. Get him out of the way. Would they say no? I doubt Aberdeen would. So (laughs) there you go. That's a way around it. But Willie, back to the original question, other than bringing in a goalkeeper as well, if the other guys were there, would you be happy with our transfer business or is there anywhere else you'd bring in? Nah, for me, I, I would sort of echo what Stephen says. I think a striker is is one that we certainly do need because we've, we've got Kyogo and we've got Oles injured. And I think we touched on the Tuesday crew that we had a first-choice striker and a third-choice striker. So that, that guy who's going to sit in between the two of them is something that we, we really, really need to get in there. Right? And again, to echo what Stephen says, a centre midfielder, a classy centre midfielder will always never go amiss in the squad. But um, we're top-heavy in that department. I'm pretty sure that the board would say, no, look, you need to move some of these guys on before we can allow any more sanction, any more sort of transfers into the middle of the park. So, yeah, for me, a striker, a goalkeeper, and the two left-sided players, and that would be it. The transfer would be a good one for me, but chances of it all coming, well, we just need to wait and see. Two weeks left in the window, Willie, so there's still time, but that was why I said... Would Aberdeen say no to Duck? You bring him in, you know his wages wouldn't be too over the top and he'd be that striker between the two of them and he would, you know, he get scales out so it clears some of your logjam at centre-back with new signing and a potential if you brought in another one, which we'll talk about a bit later on in the pod. But then also it gets a Yeti out of your, out of your door and out of your system now the way. And if he's out there, you know, banging in a few goals later in the season, able to stay healthy for Aberdeen, taking points off the Huns, well, that's perfect for us. So that's that's why I'm thinking about that as well. The only thing, the only thing is that, that um, I think um, the Aberdeen fans would be absolutely filthy if they if they sold uh, to Celtic. Yeah, they wouldn't be happy at all. And I don't think scales going the other direction would, uh, would ease their anger any. And certainly helping a Yeti go in that direction would probably make them even angrier. Um, so... It would have to be a really good offer for Aberdeen. Um, it would have to be financially too good to turn down. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure we would want to go that far uh, for Duke. Um, but, you know, good player and, and it would be good if it happened. 
I think the other thing with Aberdeen is that um, Benfica will have a massive sell-on clause as well. So you'll be looking at 20 or 30% of any money that Aberdeen are going to make has to go straight back to Benfica. So they'll obviously want to put a little bit more on top, knowing that we're a little bit cash-rich right now. Fair enough. That's what we're talking about as well, where, you know, we bring in these players and we've got all this money to spend, but, you know, we've got a bunch of players there, heaps that go. So everyone knows we've got money, so they're going to chuck the surcharge on. So I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. A couple of weeks to go, but if we're getting those two left-sided guys, for me, it's then it's just open slither, see what we go, but it's going to depend a lot on who goes out. So... Anyway, we'll leave the transfer stuff there for a moment. The the the, the news up the topics and stuff like that, and we're getting to something that's actually happened. Gustav Lagerbalke has been announced as a Celtic player. He gets given the number four shirt, which Starfelt used to have. So, Willie, do you think he has all the right attributes to become a first team regular this season at Celtic? Yeah, there's nothing to say he can't. I mean, he he's highly rated in Sweden. He went, he was out on loan at Daggerforce last season. He he was one of their top players, and he's come back and he's already what 10, 10 games into the season with with um, Elfsburg. Two goals already his name. So and and one of their top players. So there's there's nothing to say he can't go on to emulate the likes of Mialbi or Stalfell. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of hope he does, like, because um, yeah, it's always good to see some some Swedish talent coming through the Celtic because we have a we really do have a good track record of players from that country. And Stephen, what's your thoughts? Yeah, another player that um, that fits the profile of what we're looking for. So young, um, he's big, big, strong-looking lad. Uh, can pick a pass. Uh, he's good at progressing the ball forward. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's an excellent signing, um, and there's there's so much potential upside to it. Um, the Swedish market, as you mentioned already, we've we've had some great success here before, um, and it's it's a really good it's a really good place to be shopping, especially for defenders, um, because it's quite a physical league, and um, you know it's a good place to learn their trade uh, and to develop themselves physically for the for the Scottish Premier League. Uh, for the challenges of Europe. So I'm excited to see him coming in and see what it brings to the team. And um, I hope we see him at least uh, play some of the game um, against Kilmarnock at the weekend. Although, you know, being on that horrible artificial pitch, I'm not sure if uh, any of the new players will be risked. Uh, but it'd be good to see him even in a cameo role. Uh, but he's um, he, he looks a good player and a great prospect. Yeah, I'll look at it and go, he's coming in, he's... You know, he's match fit. He's ready to go. I don't really think he'll be, as you said, Stephen, this weekend. I, I don't have any doubts about him being fit enough. Normally you bring a player in this time of year and they haven't been in the first team squad, so they're, they're not match fit, ready to go. So normally you'd have your reservations. If we were to throw him straight in, I'd be good with that, except for the fact that it's on that plastic pitch and I want to see what Narosky and Welsh look like with the whole game playing together. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out on the weekend, but I think he's got all the right attributes and, yeah, he'll definitely be in the mix this season. We're going to have three top-quality centre-backs there for two spots unless and then in Europe, if we need to, we can play three at the back. Now, the name of the pod, Swede Dreams. 
simple reason because in like one of the Lagerbelt's interviews, he stated that he dreams on winning trophies at Celtic like our previous Swedish players have done before him. As soon as I read that, I'm like, yes, love it. So realistically, this is going to be a tough one, but looking into your crystal ball, at the end of his time at Celtic, do you think you'll join the pantheon of successful Swedish players at Celtic that have won trophies like Larsson, Mialbi, Lustig, Starfelt? And then I threw a couple other names out. I can't remember if they won trophies, but big Swedish names as well, Lundberg and Mastorovic, just because they actually are long names. So what do you reckon, Stephen? Do you reckon he's going to be successful, win a few win trophies, and we'll sell him on for a big chunk of cash in the future, or what's the go? Yeah, I hope, he's, I hope he is as successful as Johan Mialbi and, um, and Carl Starfelt, both uh, incredible Celtic careers laden with trophies. Uh, Daniel Mastorovic, not so much. Um, although when he entered the room, he certainly looked apart. A big, huge, ugly-looking Swedish centre-half. He looked as if he was going to you know, take out strikers left, right and centre. But it, it didn't really amount to much when it turned. It came down. He didn't have much under the hood. Um, so he was a pretty poor player. Uh, and Lundberg was a, was a non-entity at Celtic. He just came, sat on the bench a bit. Uh, picked up a bit of cash and then uh, buggered off again. So I, I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's every chance that he'll have a really successful Celtic career. Um, he's obviously been well scouted by the club. The, the club have obviously rated him highly because we've, we've paid a bit of money for him, a little bit more than probably what he's worth. Um, and he is highly rated in Sweden to the point where he's, he's on the fringes of the Swedish national team. And they're a very, very good team. Uh, you don't get into the Swedish national team if you're not a good player. Um, so that that's very very promising. So I reckon, I reckon there's a very good chance that he that he'll have a really successful Celtic career. And Willie, what's your thoughts? Yeah, there's there's nothing to say that he won't be a success. So um, and as Stephen says, he's already at the young age. He's he's knocking on the Swedish door already. And um, yeah. I can't see it not working for him, to be honest with you. Um, he fits the bill of what we want. He's six foot six foot three. He can play with both feet, I think, but he's predominantly right-footed. Like so, yeah. I, I'm pretty hopeful that this one's going to work. Like, yeah, I just look at it and go, as Stephen said, bringing in someone in from Sweden or the Scandinavian area, particularly for defenders. You know, they're going to be able to handle the physicality of our game, which is good. Um. And then on top of it, I've always been a big fan on, you know, I've mentioned it a few, few couple of years on this pod now about going down the Balkans and trying to sign some hard bastard centre-backs or whatever from down there too because you get in cheap before they end up in uh, Italy. But, like, you look at those sort of markets and you go, they would fit what we need at our club. So, yeah, I'd, I'm happy with what we've got so far. But I'm going to throw to you, Stephen, with this question here, which is, with the signing of Lager Belt, well, I want to know, because Carter Vickers has been injured, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but do you think that with Carter Vickers being out injured for, okay, I'd say it now, for approximately four weeks is the report, do you think that we'll possibly sign another centre-back on top of Lager Belki, or do you think it will depend on if we have any further outgoings like Scales leaving, Kobayashi leaving, or Welsh? Yeah, I think I think it will depend on someone, some one or, or even two centre half disappearing out the door. Um, and listening to Brendan Rogers' comments on Stephen Welsh, 
on the weekend there. He seems to rate Welsh. Uh, I can't see him going anywhere. Um, so I think if, if Kobayashi uh, goes out on loan or, or is sold on, and if Scales goes back to Aberdeen, then I think there is potential there to bring in another centre-half. Um, because I think the club, and this is something we've done quite well over the past couple of years, not so much in the years before that, is you know, getting the replacements in before we sell our big players. And Cameron Carter-Vickers, if he has a season this year like he had last year, um, and even you know shows up well in some European matches, we'll, we'll struggle to hold on to him next, either maybe not January, but next summer. Um, and if you have three centre-halves already there, all at a certain level and already hit the ground running, um, I think we'd be in a far more comfortable position to sell to sell Carter Vickers at that point. So I, I do think we need to get a couple out the door, though. And I do think, um, I think Kobayashi will go, uh, and I think Scales is probably on his way too. Yeah, it looks that way. Like if you, of the three, the only one you'd probably keep would be would be Welsh. Now, Peter Stevenson didn't like that we mentioned him before, so he's like, we were going to spend thirty million plus sell Jota for twenty five, thirty million. So where's some of these big signings? What are you on about Welsh again for? Welsh isn't good enough either for Europe, the Huns, or St Mirren game. Get rid of Welsh and stop being brainwashed. Not being brainwashed, buddy. We're talking about who's in the club at the moment. So. Um, yeah, it's one of them where, of the three that are there, if Carter Vickers is out for four weeks and we don't have anyone else in, and your options are you're playing the Rocky alongside either Kobayashi, Scales or Welsh, who would you prefer? In that situation with those three, Welsh is the four stringer at the moment. Now we've got Lager Belki in. So, honestly, I hope that we get those two out. Kobayashi goes, Scales goes. And then we potentially bring in this um, Xavier Mumbiamba that we've been linked with for ages. I can't say it, Willie. You, you, you get it better than I can. So I'll just call him Xavier. But if we can bring him in, then I'd be happy with our whole back, centre-back rotation. I wouldn't worry about it. This time last week, I absolutely butchered it as well. So I think everyone's had a wee shot at butchering it. Mbiamba, I think it is like... It is possible that he could come in, but I think um, with Lager Bielka coming in, I think uh, that we uh, that will probably be where we'll sit for centre-halves at this moment in time until either Scales and Kobayashi are moved on. And if, do, if two of them do get moved on, then a, a move for Xavier could well come into play. But until they are, are, are no longer at Celtic, I don't think that will happen. Just that comment quickly. Um about Welsh not being good enough for Europe. I don't think anybody's uh, arguing that point that Welsh is good enough for Europe, but you're talking about a fourth choice or even a fifth choice centre-half, and you're never going to get a, a Champions League-level centre-half who's going to sit on the bench and be fourth choice at a club like Celtic. You're always going to have to have a guy there um, who can play a game, can fill in a game domestically, uh, and in the case of emergency. And the fact that Stephen Welsh is, is uh, locally trained and qualifies um, for the for the UEFA guidelines in that respect um, helps him enormously. So I don't think anybody's pretending that, that Stephen Welsh is going to be a, the Champions League player of the year this year. Um, but he has a part to play, as Brendan Rodgers says, and, and you, you need a player like that round about the place. It's not like you're even talking about it, like in terms of 
having to be the main guy. Like, you look at clubs like Liverpool, they'll have their starters sending backs and then they have one or two guys on the bench who are good enough for the domestic league but can step up and be steady at the next level. So, realistically, that's their third and fourth string guys. Man City, same deal. So, it's not like Welsh is going to be the be-all and end-all reason of us, you know, not winning the league this season, going out in Europe with and crashing out and not winning any cups. He's not going to be responsible for any of that. Let's be honest. He's our fourth-string centre-back at the moment. If we bring someone else in, he's a fifth-string. You've also got a Wada who can drop back and cover in there if you're absolutely desperate. So, we've got plenty of options. You could even push the Bricky in from right back if need be and get him to play there. You've got plenty of options who can be that fourth or fifth string centre back if need be. So he's not going to be the difference and be the be all and end all on actually, you know, the difference between us finishing third in our group or coming last in our group in Europe or winning the league in Scotland. So I think some people just need to get off Welsh's back. I don't think he's the answer in terms of our first team squad doing well, but he's not. He's just a backup player at the end of the day. So, yeah, that's just that's my thoughts on it anyway. And I'm not a board apologist by the by the way. In case anyone comments that, because I'm just waiting for it after saying that and standing up for Welsh. Um, another thing we've got Rio Hatades. The reports are he's out for six weeks with his injury, and. Um, yeah, so he's he's out for six weeks. The rumours are that Celtic are trying again to re-sign both him and Abada to new contracts. So I'll throw to you, Willie. What do you reckon the odds are of us getting both Abada and Hatade to sign new contracts? I think there's a good chance one of them may. Under stable, oh, stable. Your phrase there, Willie. Sorry. Start again, Willie. Yeah, sorry, yeah, about, sorry that. about that. Froze up there. Um, I think one of the two will resign, and I think that'll be a badder. I think his style of play will really suit what Brendan Rodgers is going to try and do. We saw with, well, the first time Brendan was here that um, he really liked his wingers to be very direct and to get straight, straight to the straight, go straight for a goal. And um, I think that's the kind of play Abada will go for. Um, really, really enjoy. So I, I really do think he will sign a new deal. But as for Rio Hatati, I kind of think his head's been a little bit turned, and he could be on the way out. But it may, with his injury, it probably won't be this transfer window that will happen. So, yeah. And Stephen, what's your thoughts? Yeah, um, look, I don't think there's any circumstances about we can afford to to lose Rio Hitati in this window um, with the performance that David Turnbull turned in um, up at Aberdeen in the weekend and got hooked at half time. Um, and it's always a big deal when a when a player gets hooked at half time. Managers really try and avoid doing it um, because it's very very bad for their confidence. But he was so bad in the first half that the, the Rogers all all obviously felt we had to do it. But um, I, I just don't think we can let Rio Hitati go uh, unless there's a, a real, you know, quality player waiting in the wings to be signed. And, you know, there's no one sort of on the on the horizon. There's no one being mentioned unless they put someone in from nowhere. We just can't afford to lose Hitati at this time. Um, and I think the, the club might be forced to offer him a new deal. And I, I really hope that he signs it. As far as a bad is concerned, um, 
I think Abada was kind of talked up an awful lot over the close season um, in terms of, you know, he showed up well in a couple of friendlies um, and people sort of reckon that he'll get a run in the team and, um, and he'll, show, he'll show a real improvement in quality. I haven't really seen it in the two league games we've seen so far. Uh, the deficiencies he had last season seem to be still there and that he, he's not very good at going past a man. Uh, he doesn't have much of a trick in his locker. Um, but you know he, he does get on the end of things and scores goals. So I think Abada for me still in the same position as he was at the end of last season. If a if a good offer comes in from him, I wouldn't be against letting him go. because um, it's been mentioned before, we're pretty well we're pretty well catered for in the wing positions. Uh, with Yang showing up quite well so far this season, uh, with Tilio still to come into the team, and, and we all we all know how good he is and what he can bring to the party. And if we then go and sign uh, some of the other wingers that we've been linked with, you know, I think we could certainly afford to lose one. Uh, so if I had to pick between uh, Hatati and, and Abada, then I'd pick Abada to go every time. Same here, Stephen. Like the end of the day, Hatati doesn't want to be uh, good. Doors that way will cash in and we'll replace him. Um, as, been, as we said, I think it was earlier in the week, Willie. Strange love is saying as well. If Atari goes, we can bring in Fabian Ryder from Young Boys. He's better than him. So that's exactly what I'm what I'm thinking as well. Like at the end of the day, you know, this is Celtic Football Club. The the show goes on. So yeah, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll get a big chunk of cash in. So um, yeah. But is the more important one of the two to get the contract for, especially with Jota having moved on and all this sort of stuff. So uh, what we'll do is we will – there was an article I want to bring up. I'm going to have to read for a bit. So Matt O'Reilly fires warning to Celtics Champions League rivals as midfielder insists we can beat anyone. I can't wait to see the comment section go absolutely ballistic over this, this whole article. So – the article goes, Matt O'Reilly fears no one ahead of this year's Champions League campaign. The disappointment of last year's campaign has only fueled his determination to be better this year. O'Reilly said, for me personally, being in Scotland for a year, I'm now in a better place than I was then. Experience can only help whether it's good experience or bad. Going into the next crack at the Champions League, I think you are more prepared mentally because you know the level. I just hope all the team really believe that we can actually do something this year because I think it's possible. It's football, isn't it? We have seen things in the past where teams not expected to win things win them. Leicester won the Premier League and I think we should go into the Champions League believing that we can win every game. Not necessarily expecting to, but we've got to give ourselves the best chance of doing well. Of course, I understand the argument about budgets from fans' perspectives and outside perspective, but I just look at it from a human perspective. I look at a player on the other team and fair enough, they might be in a real Madrid kit or a Barcelona kit, but they're still a human being like I am. And if we play well on the day, we can definitely win a football match. It might not, We might not be favourites to win every game, but it's possible. Scottish football gets overlooked and the Champions League is a platform to really show that the teams in this league can play good football and really compete. Going into this year, I would like to put a marker down and say, okay, we're actually here for a reason. So... Stephen, what's your thought on on that? Well, I mean, he gets 10 out of 10 for confidence anyway. I mean, he likes a chat, doesn't he? Oh, Matt O'Reilly. He's not been slow with the quotes um, since, you know, since Brendan arrived at the club, whether he's been um, 
taking little digs at Ange. Oh, now he's he's um he's picking up our chances in Europe. Like, fair enough. If he thinks you know we we can go in and, and give anybody a game, you know that's what you want to hear. You want to hear that your players are confident. Uh, the only thing is though, I don't know if he he's, he's read up on our European history over the last decade, um, and, and it's absolutely horrific. So this is a season, you know, and I'm glad he's he's talking in those terms because this is a very important season for Celtic in a European sense, with the, the new restructured Champions League just round the corner, we really have to do something in Europe. Now, whether that is even just winning a couple of games and maybe dropping down the Europa League and winning a couple of games there, we have to show that we are capable of doing that because our record uh, over the past few years has been an embarrassment, frankly. Um, and the whole club, from the board to the players to the fans, should be embarrassed with how we performed in Europe. Uh, and hopefully the fact that Matt O'Reilly's talking in these terms is maybe a sort of sign that the, the players do really think and do really see that as well. So, you know, fair play to them. As long as they understand that, it, that it's not easy um, and that we've we've had so many issues in the past that um, that it's, it's going to be a huge challenge for the club. But, you know, I don't have a problem with them speaking like that. We've got a comment here, Stephen, from Mickey Moynihan. Two decades he said a decade, and I was thinking the same thing. It's been pretty atrocious for the last couple of decades. So I've got no problem with him saying that either. For me, it's like we complain, and I said this on on Monday, we complain when players just give you the, you know, the monotonous media-trained answers. You get someone like this, you know, having a bit of think, having a bit of moxie to actually get out there and say what they think or they believe could happen. Some people would say he's a dreamer. Some people will say, you know, Put, put the bucky down, that sort of stuff. Like, I've got no problem with him actually saying it. As I said about the whole um, home thing earlier in the week, you've talked the talk, now walk the walk. That's the way I look at it. Like, him going out there saying that, good on him. If he wants to do that, then, you know, that's his belief. And I agree with him. Everyone's in with a puncher's chance. So I'm not saying we're going to win the Champions League, but there's no reason why... There's no reason why we we can't come third in our group, you know, pick up, pick, and that's progression over last year and then play in Europe after Christmas. That's a step in the right direction. That's an improvement. That's the incremental games we want. Drop down into the Europa League and then win a knockout game after Christmas. There you go. First time in a decade. Oh, sorry, two decades it's been done. There you go. If that's what Matt O'Reilly's thinking, that's what the team's thinking, I'm all for it. But over to you, Willie. Yeah, trying to get that third place in the Champions League group is, is something that would be pivotal this season and something I would deem a success. We want to progress in Europe, so getting third would be that, that point where I would say that, yeah, but we have moved forward then. I think also key to that would be who comes out of the third pot. Um, if we were to get someone like, I don't know, Dynamo's or Greb, Shakhtar Donetsk or Red Star Belgrade I think we have a good chance of beating one of these teams I mean you could say like you would really need to look at getting four points off that team a draw away and a win at home and that would that four points would be probably enough to see you into the third place but again you know the Champions League could just throw out something really really horrible we end up with a, a group with Barcelona into Milan and Borussia Dortmund or something like that so um I have no problem with what O'Reilly saying. I mean, after hearing that, I'm, I'm away to phone Paddy Power and put 20 quid in us winning the Champions League now. So. I think if you, if you, if you, if you, look, you look at what um, 
you know what he's been saying, and, and if you look at what we've haven't achieved in Europe over the past few years, and you compare it to to what Rangers have, um, it's it's clearly not beyond us to go on a run in Europe, whether that be to you know the latter, deep into the latter stages of Europa League, um, or whether it's you know getting sec- getting second in a group in the Champions League, uh, and maybe getting into the the, the round after that but it's clearly not beyond us to do a lot better than what we're doing just now um, and it's not a case of us setting unreal expectations this is this is what should be the minimum requirement for the club and I really hope that we're going into the to the European campaign this year stressing that to the to the both the team and the, the players and the management that this is you know finishing last in the group without winning a game is not acceptable this year it has to be better than that. And we we went into this with uh, went into this with Willie and Steve on the Deep Dive podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and we were laying out the facts that if we have another really bad season this year in Europe, then we're potentially going to, or Scotland's going to potentially lose its automatic group stage qualification spot uh, the season after next. Uh, and that would be a tragedy, especially for Celtic, with their coefficient, uh, club coefficient being so poor at the moment, we could look a couple of years down the line, we could look at being unseeded uh, in the Champions League qualifiers. And that's anybody, you know, we can all remember when that was the case and we were having to beat teams like Ajax and Arsenal to get into the Champions League. And it was almost mission impossible before you started. Um, so that needs to be avoided at all costs. And this is, this is why this is an absolutely crucial season uh, for Celtic in Europe. And I hope the club recognises that. It's not just that, Stephen. Was, we couldn't even get past Mulder and clubs like that. Mm-hmm. So that there it is. But so just looking at something now while you were while you were talking there. So based on the current ranking, highest rankings and everything going into Europe for the uh, Champions League draw, you go through the current pot one setup: Man City, Seville, Barcelona, Napoli, Bayern Munich, PSG, Benfica, or Feyenoord. To me, you'd want one of those last two. Benfica or Feyenoord for a good draw, right? Pot two, Real Madrid, Man United, Inter, Bas- uh, sorry, Dortmund, Atletico Madrid, Leipzig, Porto, Arsenal. You'd probably want Porto or Leipzig. That'd be my preference. Pot three, Shakhtar Donetsk, Salzburg, Dinamo Zagreb, because of the run through to um, Seville a couple of years ago where they drunk the toilet water, the Huns will be in pot three if they get in. Milan, Braga, Lazio, Red Star, Belgrade. For me, I'd love another shot at Shakhtar or I'd like a go at Red Star, Belgrade. I think that would be a good away day. And in pot four, we can't play any of them anyway, but you got Copenhagen, Young Boys, Real Sociedad, Galatasaray, us, Newcastle United, Union Berlin and... Racing club lens. So realistically, if you got that draw where it's like Red Star, Belgrade, you got Porto, and you got Feyenoord, for instance, okay, what Matt O'Reilly said is a chance. You could still be in. You could come second in that group. Definitely come come third, but you know, there's a there's a lot there. You need a good draw. If you get a draw with, you know, Barcelona, Man United, I don't know, like. What was it RB Salzburg and us? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for coming. <laughs> so I just hope I just hope PSV do the business. 
in um, the next qualifying round for the Huns, and then we get them in our group because even that's an option. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong message there. Hope we get PSV. That'd be great fun. But, yeah, it's just an interesting one. Like, what O'Reilly's saying for me is there's plenty of... I love what he's saying, as I said early on, but a lot of it's going to... A lot of factors are going to come into it on how well we do in Europe, but at least they're thinking that way. So... We'll go to our last topic. We're going to preview Celtic versus Killy in the League Cup on Sunday. So our last five games against Killy have been all five five wins for us. So, Stephen, how will we line up for the match? Do you think we will rest any players due to the match being played on a plastic pitch, as you touched on earlier about Lager Bielke? I don't think you give him a debut on the plastic pitch. And what's your score prediction for the game? Yeah, I think I think there'll be changes for this game. Um, some of them are enforced with injury, of course, um, and some of them some of them might be enforced. I think you'll see Stephen Welsh again. Um, I think he'll play next to Navrotsky in the centre defence. Um, I can see I can't see him changing the left back. I think it'll be Taylor again uh, with Ralston at right back. The interesting thing is going to be what he does in midfield. Um, I think Matt O'Reilly will start. Um, I also think he'll bring Turnbull back in. Um, I think he'll, with Hatati being injured, what options there are a little bit limited, um, and I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to throw Thiago home in there for uh, for a full ninety minutes. Um, the other the other decision he has to make is whether to rest Callum McGregor, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did that, and we might see a water for his first start of the season. Um, and that, that would be good because he hasn't had a sniff up to now um, and, you know, even off the bench. And I, and I think it'd be good to see him there and give Callum McGregor the day off. Um, Kyogo up front, I don't think we've got any other option. Uh, and the wide positions, yeah, I think it'll be Maida left and potentially Yang on the right. Um, he might, because he's played really well the last couple of times he's come off the bench and probably deserves a start. So I can see that happening. Um Kamala got for a decent start to the season, uh, but I think we should be beating them fairly comfortably, um, regardless of what team we put out. So I'll go, I'll go three 0 Celtic. And Willie, we'll go to you before I bring up some of the comments. Yeah, um, I think, I think Burnaby might come in for a game. I think Taylor might get dropped. So. Um, we'll go with Hart, Burnaby, Narowski, Welsh, Ralstino. Probably Carl Mark O'Reilly Turnbull in midfield. I would say Abada, Kyogo, and Maeda as the front three, but with Kyogo's shoulder being slightly dodgy, there is a sort of grounds that he may take um, Kyogo and leave him on the bench, push Maeda through the middle, and put Yang on. So I also think we'll win the game on the dried out Lego pitch, but I think it'll be 3 1. So some of the comments here we've got uh, Andrew Galea's picked my midfield three here. Awada, McGregor and home in the midfield. That's what I'd be going with. Maybe take McGregor out and put O'Reilly in. That's the only possible change there. Um, the back line, yeah, it'll be... You'll have Hart and goals, obviously, in Rocky and Welsh. And then you'll have, yeah, Ralston and probably Taylor. I think we'll see Taylor because it's on that plastic pitch where he tends to play well when he goes back to where we signed him from. And then up front, it's a bit of a doozy, really. So, um, yeah, I'd be looking at 
maybe play Maeda as a striker and then get Yang and um, Abada out there, give them a bit more, give both of them a bit more directness out there. Michael Ross is saying 4-2 to Celtic. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking we're going to... Uh, yeah, thinking we'll we'll get it done. Four mm. one. That's mine. Pete McGee is saying I'm going with Celtic five nil. So, with that in mind, we'll see how we go on the weekend. I'd say let's pick up the three points, but you know it's not. It's a cup game, so let's just progress to the next round. And um, yeah, be interesting to see who gets who gets a run out there. Will the things are. Keep an eye on that. We'll discuss on Monday. As does Lager Belki make his debut? Does Yang get a start? And things we've spoken about. So, yeah, it'll be um interesting game to watch on Sunday. Hope you all enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll go for some final thoughts before we uh, disappear for the night. So, Stephen, you got a final thought? Yeah, my final thoughts. Um, although we've we've touched on it a little bit, was uh, how much I've enjoyed the, the Women's World Cup which comes to an end this weekend in, in Sydney. Um, I've got two tickets for the World Cup final, so vamos España is all I can say. Uh, but it's been great. Uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, the stadiums have been full. The atmosphere has been great, and it's been a massive shot in the arm for both the, the women's football and football in general in this country. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I have to say, I wasn't really a huge fan of women's football before this, uh, but I'm certainly going to be I'm going to be watching quite a bit of it in the in, in the years to come. So I hope it's that's reflected across the population in Australia. Uh, and and well done, well done the Matildas for getting all the way to the semi-finals. And Willie, what's your final thought? Uh, a couple of wee things. Just uh, give a shout out to my wife who turned forty the other day. So happy birthday to my long-suffering darling. And um, a TV recommendation. Just finished watching. Um, Secret Invasion starring Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Really good. Really enjoyed it. So worth a watch. And my final thought, I did one on Monday for my wife. I'm doing another one. She, you're going to get me fat, wife. I can smell the old um, pancakes that she's been cooking the whole time the pod's on. So it's dinner time, everyone. Hope you all have a great rest of the week. And uh, yeah, hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.